Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. We are back with episode two. I'm your host, Kyle Creasy. I'm here with my co-hosts, Blake Clark and Tommy Smith. Uh, if you're back from the previous episode, we really appreciate you being here. We've got a fun one for you today. Got two of our good friends on, Tyron McNair and Andrew Davis, both big-time Laker and LeBron fans. We had a really fun conversation with them. Uh, we dive into a multitude of different topics. Um, we talked about the Lakers this season. We talked about LeBron James specifically this in this individual season. We talk about some best of LeBron James, and we talk about that 2020 team and the title and the bubble, and we just talk about some things going forward in the next offseason. I had a really fun time with these guys. Blake, Tommy, I know you guys enjoyed it as well. You got anything to say to the audience? Uh, it was just a good little conversation, you know. Um, just get to their perspective on how they see the Lakers. I know uh, looking from the outside, looking in, as not as a fan of the Lakers, you re we really don't know how we feel about it. We know that it's awful, but we really want to see the, the aspects of the team and uh, just seeing how the fans enjoy it or actually not in uh, TK, how you feel about it. I feel really good about the episode. I was actually shocked from the episode. I thought that um, we were going to get a little bit um, different takes from them, but they were um, realistic in their takes, and that's, uh, that's what it was. You could definitely tell the sadness or the disappointment from this Laker team. And I think it's just like, like Blake said, like we're on the outside looking in and we view it and we're like, oh, they're so bad. But we just don't understand like these people that are fans are like, it is 10 times worse for them because that is their team that they're trying to watch and their team that they're trying to root for. And it's just hard with the situation that they're in. But really good perspective from those guys. Really fun episode. You guys are going to like it. Um, just real quick before we get into the time with them, we're going to start a few new things before we before we start every podcast. And one thing is going to be a stock update. So we're all three going to come in with three stock risers and three stock fallers that we have. It can be a team. It can be a player. It can be anything, anything in the NBA. But just to kind of – we want to be able to talk about things on a weekly basis or on a two-week basis. Just something, we don't want it to just be all big and overall. And then – I'm also going to always pose Tommy and Blake a random question, so something from the league that they do not know about beforehand. So we've got that today. And then today specifically for our third, we're going to jump into the MVP just really briefly, give our thoughts, order for a few guys. Just, just some real quick stuff before we dive into our time with our two friends. But first for the stock update, Blake, I want to hear your three stock risers right now. All right, number one is going to be Jason Tatum. That's uh, my number playing, one as well. He is playing the best basketball right now uh, out of nearly anybody. Um, my number two is the Joker. Uh, he's already at the top, but I think that him and we'll get into it with the MVP race. I think him in the MVP race it is, um, it's you know, I think this is solidifying it. And then number three, I have the Timberwolves uh, as a team. I they have the are, Wolves on my list right too. I'm excited. Hey, hey, man. Hey, man. They are uh, eight and two in their last ten. They're playing some really good basketball right now. Like I'm, I'm talking really good basketball. Um, actually, before I uh, continue, I'm just going to say that they are right now number three in net rating, number three in offense, and number five in defense. Uh, that as a team is something that's going to help that, them in the is playoffs. That the, is that within the past 10 games? 
Yes, it okay. is as of March 11th, which okay. is today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So another so, um, the Wolves, they're on a six-game win streak, and that is the first time that the T Wolves have been on a six-game win streak since 2004. 2004. That's why they're a high riser, dude. Hey, I mean, they're doing happy. doing crazy stuff right now. We're all happy for the T Wolves, man. Tommy, let me hear your three stock risers. My uh, three stock risers, uh, we knew it was coming last week when I was talking about them, but my number one is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, my number two is the Boston Celtics. Uh, they're on that four-game winning streak, keeping it, uh, getting it rolling. And then um, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, getting it going, uh, fighting for that number one seed. So that's, those are my three stock risers. Yeah, and Chris Middleton especially. I, he just missed my stock risers. But the way he's played post-All-Star break, it's that Chris Middleton that you saw in the playoffs. And if he's back to that and the way Drew Holiday's playing and the elevated way that Giannis is playing, they're back to being as dangerous as they've ever been. But my three stock risers, my number one is also Jason Tatum. Branching off of what Blake said in his last four games, he's averaging 42, 6, and 5. He's shooting 56% from the field, 46% from three, and they're 4-0 in those games. Um I think you could argue that Tatum is All-NBA first team right now, an all-defense team, probably in the MVP conversation. They might be a top three seed. He, yeah, Jason Tatum stock. Oh, okay. Um, my number two was the T-Wolves. I had them in there like Blake as well. We already dove into them. And my number three was Cade Cunningham. Um, you've seen an ascension. If you've watched, I've had to go back and tune into it because I've just seen people talking about him. I've not been watching Pistons games as they're going on. I'm not going to lie to you. But when I go back and look, you can tell just the pace, the pace for this guy. It's the game slowing down. And like this is what we expected, I think, a little too early of him. Some you gotta give these guys time. And what he's done since right before the all-star break and post-all-star break, they've been winning some games actually. And they're keeping games close. Like, like they're not just getting blown out anymore. And he's just he's played really well with Jeremy Grant specifically. It's just like he's He's just making that progression as a rookie right now. So I have him as mine. My three stock followers, I'm going to give mine first. Um, my first, I'm sad to say this, is Clay Thompson. Um, when I watch Clay, I get sad because Clay can't move like Clay normally moves. Clay can't play defense like we're so used to. Uh, he struggles, you can tell, as he's trying to even create a shot for himself. And everything's just short most of the time. I hate it. I hate it. But I had to put him on there because a big part of why we were all so high on the Warriors before the season was because he was going to be back. But I'm not so sure that we're going to get that this year. Number two for me was the Kings. Um, definitely expressed my uh, lack of interest in this team uh, last episode. But they are 4-9 and nine since their win-now trade. Um, so clearly not going well. And my last one is the Cavs. And it's not anything that the Cavs have done wrong. It's just for the simple fact that Jared Allen is out now for a period of time. Karis LeVert tonight is missing his eighth straight game. There's no real timetable on him. And Brooklyn, after last night's win, is only five games back. Yes, I know five is still a decent margin to cover, but Brooklyn's last 15 are fairly easy. And you look at uh, Cleveland, and they have Miami tonight. They have – well, if you're listening to this after today, Miami Friday night. Chicago twice, the Clippers, 
76ers twice, Denver, Toronto, Dallas, Atlanta, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. That's just – that's going to be tough without those two players. Uh, Tommy, let me hear your three stock followers. My uh, my three stock followers are actually all teams right now. Um, who I have right now are the – at uh, at number one, we expected a whole lot more from them, um, and the Nets were actually missing the piece that we were looking for. So I'm going to go with the 76ers at number one. Um, number two, I have um, the I had the Cavs. I had the Cavs as well. Um, they were doing so much so so good. They are on a two game win streak the last two, but still. Uh, I think they were really weak teams. Uh, they are falling for me. And then number three, I hate to say it, but I have the Hawks. Um, it's looking like they might fall out of that little playoff for uh, play in race. So not really happy about it, but I'm going to put my Hawks there. I'm disappointed in them right now. And Blake, who are your three? I'm also going to go off Tommy. Uh, I had three teams as well. Um, so first off, it kind of goes off years as well, Kyle, uh, when you talk about clay, uh, the warriors are not doing too well right now, uh, three and seven, their last 10, they're, they're still at the top of the conference, which it's okay to have some of these little skids, but at the same time, gotta be careful because if you're not, you're going to have a matchup in the playoffs that you don't want. Uh, number two, I kind of touched it last week. I did not think that they would make the playoffs or they would fall into the play-in, the Raptors. The Raptors are not playing the best basketball right now, uh, falling to the Pistons uh, earlier this week, uh, also falling to a OG, couple other guys. OG being out is big for them. I hate it, is, it yeah. right now. But yeah. you, you can definitely tell that they're struggling without him. We'll keep going. Exactly. And then also uh, in the East, the, the Hornets. Uh, the Hornets are in ninth place in the East right now. Uh, they are – they're tied – uh, with the Hawks for the ninth spot. Uh, but after tonight, I, I don't know if they'll still have that spot. I think they'll fall out of the playing games if they're not careful. The Wizards are just playing mediocre basketball right now, but they're not playing nearly as bad as the Hornets are right now. So I could see the Hornets start to fall even farther. So those are my three. Yeah, and I agree. Hornets have been terrible. I do find it hard. I know, I know Washington is not far at all. But I feel like at this point with Beal out and they're going to be cautious with Porzingis, I think they're more or less playing for a lottery pick. So I would be shocked if they actually go for that play-in spot. But even if they win at a low clip, if Charlotte keeps this pace up, it's possible. So oh, yeah. I mean, I remember – I can't remember who it was, but they said that there was silence on the Hornets announcers uh, for 30 seconds after Tatum just did something. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you know something's going on. When those Hornets guys, they ain't saying nothing because those guys are the loudest in the league. Yeah, so we're going to start also after stock updates. I'm going to have a random question for Tommy and Blake. Blake, I'm going to go to you first. Um, recent reports that I saw yesterday and today are that executives around the league believe that after because after this year, Tyler Hero is extension eligible. And executives around the league think that the Miami Heat are going to give Tyler Hero that max rookie extension, which is like $170, $180 million for five years. It's the most you can get. And I'm just going to ask you guys, number one, do you think he deserves it? Number two, regardless if you think he deserves it or not, do you think that the Heat give it to him? Blake? I honestly think he deserves it. Um, 
Hero is he's I think he's averaging like twenty points this year coming off the bench. Yes. Um, so I mean he's playing good basketball here in year three. So uh, I think that after this year, if the Heat do decide to give it to him, I don't know if they will, but if they do decide to give it to him, I think that he has done enough in this league to prove that he is a vital part of this league. So if they decide to do it, I wouldn't be like saying like, why are you doing this? Because I mean, he does do things for the, for everybody. I mean, I, I don't really see a problem with it. Tommy. Yeah. Um, I think he does deserve it. I think he's top three and six man of the year. Um, and I think probably that, a clear um, number one. Yeah, clear number one. And I think that um, if they don't extend them, uh, someone's going to pay him, as I like to say a lot. So, real quick, because we won't spend too long on this, because it is kind of speculation. Um, I need to see the playoffs this year. I think if you're going to get an extension like that, I need a little more. But at the same time, the Miami Heat are so locked in with long-term contracts and over the luxury tax. So you, they're just going to end up probably paying him anyway because it makes sense to not even come close to losing him. Because he would go into restricted free agency, but you don't want to deal with a mad player because you didn't give him a contract. So, yeah, I think he's borderline deserving of it. I think he's going to get it anyway. Um, I, I agree with that with the playoffs because he did – he was one of those guys that fell from the bubble to the next year in the playoffs that did not meet expectations. Yeah, and he very easily could. I mean, if you're playing like this, yeah, you're playing your way into it. But just got to see it first. You know, it's one of those things. Um, going into the MVP, last thing before we talk with our guests. Uh, the new rankings came out today, which I thought was kind of funny because my top five a few days ago were Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, John Morant, Jason Tatum. That was my top five right now. The rankings came out today. The latter was Jokic. Tied for second was Janssen Embiid. Fourth was John Morant. Fifth was Jason Tatum. I honestly thought they were going to have Luka at fifth, even though I thought Tatum was fifth. I personally think that Luka, Booker, and DeMar are right there in that conversation. Um, but, yeah, Jokic is in the lead for me right now. What are your guys' thoughts on the MVP at the moment? I think that um, Jokic is the clear number one right now. Uh, he leads basically every category uh, when it comes to what you're looking for. Uh, Embiid, I mean, he's playing great basketball, but like when you have another guy like Jokic in the league, it's just going to fall short. So I do have Jokic at one, and then I do have Giannis at two. Embiid, right now, I have him at three, but it could change if Tatum keeps playing the basketball that he is. And the same with Jaw. So those are, I still have the same top five that they have, but like the order just varies from three to five. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is, uh, I think it's Jokic or Joker, the Joker's uh, award to lose, and I think that um, I, I had to move Joel Embiid down to my third spot as well, just because he had a lot to prove last night, and he didn't look like I expected him to, you know. Yeah, and I think that the thing for Embiid was that there was a point where like him and Jokic were both having these monster nights, and Embiid's still playing really well. Like, don't get me wrong, but like now you've kind of hit a point where like. Embiid is, like, playing really well, and then Jokic is playing, like, phenomenal. So, like, I think that there's kind of been a separation. But I mean this whenever I say it. I listed all eight of those guys because I seriously think all eight are in contention right now. I don't think that it's some huge gap to the point where, like, like, DeMar is eighth for me, 
there is a scenario where DeMar could win it. Like, I don't think that there's this huge gap. So I tell you guys that I listed those eight because all eight have a chance in my opinion. Like, I don't think that this is some – it's a crazy race, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Like, this isn't some two-man race. This isn't – I do think we all agree Jokic is the front runner at the point. He's starting to gain somewhat of a cushion, but, like, it's still tight right now. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes down. Um, that's all we've got from just the three of us. We'll go straight into our conversation with two of our friends, obviously talking all things Lakers and LeBron. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Here we go. Today's special episode of the podcast, I've got two really good friends of mine, Andrew Davis and Tyron McNear. Both are big-time, die-hard LeBron James fans, uh, two of the biggest defendants of the guy I've ever met. Two, they, they just they love his game. You know, I can't, I can't blame them. I got my favorite player, they got theirs, so it's cool. But we brought them on today. We're going to be talking all things Lakers, all things LeBron James today. We're going to dive into a multitude of topics with it. We're going to be talking about the Lakers this season. We're going to go into LeBron's individual season. We're going to talk about just some of LeBron history, what we think the best version of LeBron is, yada, yada, a few different things with LeBron. We're going to talk about the Lakers 2020 championship season and that bubble run. And then we're going to kind of dive into what we think the Lakers should maybe do going into this offseason and next season. So, the two of you, just to introduce, just to introduce them real quick, uh, Tyron McNear, good friend of mine. I met him whenever we were a little younger, but didn't really know him that well. But in high school, when I moved schools, um, me and Tyron played basketball together. And uh, I was able to actually coach Tyron in a league as well. Uh, that was a fun time. But Tyron, you know, one of my guys, good friend. Glad to have you on, man. And then Andrew, uh, me and Andrew met through some mutual friends. And that's actually led to a really good friendship of mine as well. You know, it's just met him through some guys that I first became friends with once I moved schools, and now me and him are close. So really happy to have you both on. So we'll get straight into it. Um, the Lakers this year. Wow. <laughs> um, definitely not what anybody expected. Uh, and even though I didn't like the Westbrook trade when it happened, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I thought that this was going to happen. So just real quick from the two of you, we'll go Andrew first. Like, what, what's going on, man? Like, how do you feel about this year right now? I mean, it, it, you don't want to throw the season away, but you're kind of just at that place right now. But I, I don't know. Like, like you said, like, no one expected the rush thing to work. But, like, I just – I thought they would try to use them more in a role player kind of thing, more off the ball. and kind of just let him be Russ when either LeBron or AD were out for something. But they really just tried to make it a true big three, and they just can't fit like that. No. And I think you're seeing the results. I, I thought at least when, like I said, one of them goes down or out, like he could step up and be Russ. But he's just not at all the same player he was shooting. And he's, he's not even being aggressive attacking the rim anymore. It's just he's not a good player anymore. <laughs> Tyron, you got any thoughts off that? Well, first of all, when the trade happened, we was all in the group chat together, and I told everybody I didn't like it. Yeah, I was scared I to death. <laughs> but this bad, no, I didn't see this happening. Um, Andrew, you said that you thought they was going to move him in as a role player. I knew 
regardless of what they thought they were going to do, Russell was going to be Russell and just do what he does. You know what I'm saying? I thought it was just going to fold in the playoffs, not whatever this is right here. So, yeah, it's bad, very bad. And so to this point today, they are nine games under 500. They are 28 and 37 overall. They are the ninth seed. So shout out to the play-in for them because if it was two years ago, this team would not even be close to it. Well, they about five games out, but they would not be close to a playoff spot right now if it wasn't for the play-in. They're only 1.5 games over New Orleans, actually. So they may not even get to host that play-in game. And, you know, got kind of lucky. New Orleans, CJ hit uh, COVID protocols. They had a rough loss to Orlando the other night. So still keeping that little cushion. but. Yeah, Blake and Tommy, real quick. Blake, uh, do you think that injuries have had anything to do with their season this year? So LeBron has missed 18 games. AD has missed 28 and is going to continue to miss more, if not the rest of the regular season. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Kendrick Nunn's some great player, but he hasn't played yet either. So, Blake, do you think that the injuries have played any part to why they've been so bad this year? I mean, you can't just throw it away and say that it's not a part of it, which it is. I mean, if you throw in those three guys and THT, they've missed a total of 104 games. So when you throw that in there, of course, they're going to have their struggles. But are you really going to say that their struggles would be this much? It's the Lakers. You expect them to do more no matter who's on the team. Like if you have LeBron, you expect them to at least be a top 16. So the struggles that they're having this year, we can say that the injuries are playing a part in it. But overall, it's just a wash. I mean, season's going bad. Injuries are not the main reason. They still have a good group of guys. I know they're old, but, like, they they got players on the team. I mean, not the best players, but they should not be the nice seed right now. Yeah. Tommy, any thoughts on the injuries this year? Uh, I do not think it has anything to do with injuries. They're 11 and 10 when they all are in playing together. Uh, so they wouldn't be good regardless. But um, I guess you could say LeBron go do LeBron no matter what. So, I mean, no, I don't think. I don't think it was really here. Yeah, so I'll agree with Tommy on that point. You know, I do think injuries have played somewhat of a part into it, but they also aren't very good when everybody's on the floor together. Um, overall this season, they are 17th in defense, 24th in offense, and they have the 22nd best net rating. And, you know, normally when you're in those situations, you're like, oh, like we're in the lottery. No, New Orleans has their pick. So just in a tough predicament there. Um, diving into Russell Westbrook specifically, I get it. This team has all kinds of issues. He's a big part of it. Davis, do you think that Russell Westbrook is the – do you think he is most to blame and do you think he should be all of this – the only one solely blamed basically for how bad they've been this year? I mean, it's not necessarily him. He is a huge problem, but it's more of what the team would have looked like if you hadn't gone to get him. You'd have Buddy Hill a better fit. You would have kept KCP, you would have kept Caruso, and the defense would have been so much better. The team would have gelled better. And and it, it, that's one thing is, like, if they never talked about getting Buddy Heald and you just got Russ, you're like, all right, that's bad. But, like, now you're like, man, we could have Buddy Heald instead of this. It makes it even worse, thinking of what could have been. Yeah. But, yeah, he is – he's a massive problem. And Vogel refuses to bring him off the bench because he's too big of a personality. 
and it's just it's just it's just bad. So to our listeners, uh, if you don't know what Andrew is talking about, this past summer before the Westbrook deal even happened, um, there was a deal in place for the Lakers to trade Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell for Buddy Heald, and ultimately, you know, there were there were different people that came into reasoning why that deal wasn't made. Uh, you know, it's obviously thought that LeBron, AD, and Clutch had a big reason and why Westbrook ultimately ended on the team instead of healed. But that's what Andrew's referring to whenever he says that. So that's not like a myth at this point. It's literally known the deal was in place. They backed out to make the Westbrook deal. Tyron, you've kind of shared a little bit of your thoughts on Westbrook, so kind of jump from you already. But Tommy, Tommy and Blake, either one, one of you jump in. Uh, do you think Westbrook is to solely blame on this season? Yeah, I do think he's solely to blame, and it's simply because of his ego. Um, he's not willing to do the things that he needs to do for the Lakers to win. So I do think it's solely his fault. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, though. Blake? I'm giving the blame to not Russell, but to LeBron. Um, so LeBron is, you know, he's going to be LeBron. He's going to bring in the guys that he wants. He's going to take that GM position. Whatever LeBron says goes. So he wanted Russell. He even said, you know, keep this narrative. Hashtag thank you. We've all seen the tweet. But <laughs> LeBron, he if he didn't, you know, push for him, if him and AD didn't have that meeting, I think they'd be in a, a, just a better predicament. Wouldn't have to worry as much. But, you know, LeBron's going to do what he wants to do. But I'm, I'm saying it's LeBron's fault on this one. Can I ask something? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I, I don't I – don't, think it's one individual person. I think it's the, the team itself. Um, they played the Rockets the other day. You know I didn't watch I watched, it. I watched the fourth quarter in overtime. I can't even lie to you. I was in shock myself. I get it. They're bad, but good God, man. That was the Houston yeah. Rockets. Like, I can name, like, Jalen Green and, like, Christopher. I couldn't name any other player on the team, on the Rockets team. You know? To me, it comes down to heart. And like wanting to play, wanting to be out there, bro. Y'all getting paid millions, bro. Play basketball. Who they complain so much, but I don't show no heart. That's what I think the problem is. I don't think it's just one player, one person, this, that, and the third. I think it's heart. It comes down to heart, and they don't got any. So that's why you see the things that's going on. Yeah. So my my personal thoughts in terms of who's to blame, uh, LeBron, AD, and Clutch do deserve a lot of blame for for the simple fact that they wanted Westbrook the most and they had this happen. But I think what a lot of us were thinking going into this season, especially like I know myself and a lot of friends included and a lot of people I listened to, it was this thought that like LeBron, Russ, and AD can probably easily win you like 50 games. Like you would think that in theory just because it's three all-NBA guys that have been all-NBA before on a team together, you know, like regardless of the fit, the three of them being able to play at any point in the season, you're more than likely going to always have somebody that's been all NBA. That's still kind of like in their prime to an extent on the floor. But the problem is that with those three contracts together, there's just no room for any type of depth at all. So like you've got three players that are all NBA caliber or have been at least now playing with, I think it's fair to say that not one role player on this roster probably has a spot for a top seven or eight on any other contender. I mean, jump in if anyone disagrees, 
but may, maybe Malik Monk because of his scoring spurts here and there. But that is the only one that I really think you could slide in there. Other than that, I don't think that they have a real rotation player around this group. And that's just because of the salaries. Does anybody disagree? I think Dwight is rim protector could get a place on some teams. But, yeah, he's not a guy that you're going to be relying on for much besides just rim protection. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely – what I will, I will agree to that. There are teams – 76ers are an example right now after their trade that they just made. There are some teams that could definitely use a backup five. So I'll agree to that one. But, yeah, wings specifically, which is what they need, everything. I mean, they just don't really have a competent wing. Like, you've got – they got guys that can somewhat shoot, but those guys that can somewhat shoot can't handle the ball. They can't play defense. They're not high IQ. They're not good around the rim. They have guys that are somewhat decent on defense. They give you nothing on offense. So it's just like they're just in these tough predicaments because any lineup – poor Frank Vogel, man. He's ran some lineups this year that just don't even make sense. And it's like you can't even you can't even hardly blame him because of what he's been – the cards he's been dealt with this year. Like, he just has nothing to work with. So, from this from this point, just kind of going forward on this last Lakers this season point, Tyron, you first. What are your – I get it. Been a disappointing season. What are your expectations for the rest of the regular season? They will probably ultimately make the play-in. So, what are your expectations for the rest of the regular season and for the play-in? Well, my expectations – what I want to happen is LeBron rest. Just go ahead and rest him, bro. We're not going to win anything. The best you're going to get is you win the play-in game, whatever, you're going to get swept in the first round. So don't try to overplay him, get him hurt again. So that's really my, like, what I want to happen. But the, what's going to happen is he's going to play. We're going to make the play-in. We're going to win. Then we're going to get beat in the first round. Davis, expectations for you? I mean, same thing. I just, you know, playing. I mean, you might not even win that second playing game because the Clippers are just unbeatable from the Lakers, and it's just not – you can't beat the Clippers. Don't Play say that, like, Davis. Don't say that. Don't give him that, Davis. Don't give it to him. Honestly, I take Clippers, it. I take it. Oh, man. Because we were a game and a half behind the Clippers, and we had a game against them. And if we'd have won that, we'd have been half a game behind and, like, maybe could have gotten up into the seven or eight. Yes, that and was huge. I, I think, yeah, that was the game that AD missed the – uh, buzzer beater like Reggie had that I don't know what he was doing but yeah he had that game winner but that game would have been crazy if we won that because if we'd have finished as a seven or eight and won that first game we could have played the Warriors or like the Grizzlies or whoever it was I think that favored favor that matchup more than the Suns a lot and so that, I think that that's a great point because where you're at right now you would be forced to play the Suns in the playoffs and if you were in that seven eight game look I get it like for our people listening the Warriors are the second seed, the Grizzlies are the third seed, or maybe vice versa. It's like it's been like a half a game difference recently. But if I'm a Laker fan or a LeBron fan in general and I'm just looking at this, I definitely like my odds like if 50 to 60% better just by playing one of those teams instead of the Phoenix Suns. And there's all kinds of questions around the Warriors. And the Grizzlies are just – don't get me wrong. I think that they would maybe win in like five. But like – they're just so little experience. So it's like, you know, that could have been a huge, just different kind of change for the Lakers instead of where they're at now. But uh, Tommy or Blake, uh, just real quick, quick yes or no question. Tommy first. Lakers make the playoffs, yes, no. No. Blake, yes, no. 
Not a chance. All right. So, we'll be done with the Lakers this season specifically. Been a disaster. You know, maybe they can figure some things out next season. We'll get into that here in a little bit, what they can maybe do. But for right now, we're going to talk about LeBron James specifically. Uh, he's been great this year. You know, he may have built the team wrong. He may have just he may have thought he wanted to play the Russ and it's not worked well. There's been things, but the dude is, I think he's 37, right? Dude's 37, and he's still averaging 29 points, eight rebounds, and six assists, shooting 52% from the field. Uh, you can see some differences from him, you know, like part of it is because of how bad their record's been, but just not playing defense to the capability he's done before. He's also taking eight three-pointers a game. That is the most he's taken in his career in a season by like almost by more than one and a half three-pointers, like just not a volume that he's seen before. He's still shooting 35% from league average. And honestly, the coverage he gets, it's like, it's impressive. It's just like, he definitely is a, just a, and it's not much, but he definitely is a step slower, but he's also somewhat evolving as a player. Um, Davis, I'm going to go to you first. This season, LeBron, how, like, have you enjoyed watching him as much as previous seasons or? It's, it's like you said, it's certainly different. He's not just driving, you know, driving downhill, bodying guys up as much. But I obviously I always enjoy watching LeBron play. Like, at the same time, I'm, like, sitting there, I'm like, dude, he's cooking everybody. And then I'm in the back of my head, like, could you imagine if we put a good team around him, what could have been yeah. getting this play? I mean, he's – I mean, is he – He's either like first or second league in scoring. Like he could still win the scoring title, he's, I'm pretty he's sure. Definitely top five. I know some things have changed. Giannis has been on a tear. Tatum's been on a tear. Uh, yeah. Embiid's still doing him. And then I don't yeah. think KD's eligible with games played. But he's right. some, but yeah, he's definitely top five. Like at yeah, it's just like you just wonder what could have been had honestly had the rust trade not gone down. Yeah, like this team could have, and especially with the West, like it's pretty much just the Suns that really worry me in the West. Like, if we had Buddy Hill, I think we'd take the West, to be honest. That's, yeah, no, I mean, Tyron, I'm sure you'll get into that, too. But, like, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Like, the West is – there's just so many things going on, whether teams have traded guys or injuries. It's like it is pretty much wide open. And the Suns had it on lock, and then Chris Paul hurt his hand. It's like, yeah, who knows where you guys are at if you'd made a different trade. Like, you know, and it definitely sucks – that he's playing this well to be a LeBron or a Laker fan and to have to just watch him just do whatever. And like the other night, I know they won. Dude had 56 points. Like, like, and they barely squeaked by a Warriors team that was two and eight in their last 10. No Draymond. Clay's been bad. Like, it's just sad. Like, he put up 56 and they're barely winning a game at home against a team like that. It's just, it's sad. Uh, Tyron, um, I'm going to pose you a different question since I asked Davis if he was, you know, enjoying watching him. Uh, are you – I don't want to say, like, impressed because obviously it's impressive, but, like, did you think maybe three or four years ago that LeBron would be still – I know he's kind of defied odds in time, but did you think maybe three or four years ago that he was still capable of playing like this at this point in time? Bro, no. You know, Tom, Tom defeats everybody, bro. But – I thought he was going to be, like, good, you know, like, 20, you know, what he normally does. But, golly, dude. You know, to me, what it looks like, what it feels like is, like, um, he's out there with, like, four bums, and he's just out there just hooping, you know, like how we do if we play a pickup. I got four bums on my team. I'm just going to go out there and shoot the ball. 
go out there get my little ten piece. Gonna lose, but I'm gonna get my little ten. You know, that's what it feels like to me. But yeah, no. Nah. Three, four years ago, I thought, man, we, I got a few more years of, it, of some, some good basketball from LeBron, and we're gonna get the the father time. Then I'm gonna get y'all on my ear talking trash to me. But we still got the trash talking about LeBron's averaging thirty. So yeah. So just moving on off of his individual season. I'm going to pose a question. I'm going to start with Blake. Blake, what do you think is the best version of LeBron James in his career? We're going to have a look at the Miami LeBron. I'm going to say the 2013-2014 LeBron is just a version of LeBron that we are not going to see again. Um, I mean, he does – LeBron does everything. You know, I'm not going to be a LeBron hater. I'm not a big fan of him, but I know that he is a top two player of all time. But LeBron, his best version was in Miami. Uh, I don't really see how people can argue with that. The things that he was doing at the time are just unheard of, um, especially with a big three. And he was, like, without a doubt, the, the one in that scenario. So I'm going to give it to the 2013-2014 uh, Braun. So I have to agree because my pick was also the 2013 LeBron. Um, 2013 LeBron, arguably athletic peak. That or early Cleveland days. Um, this freak athlete, he was a legit, like, somewhere along the lines of, like, 270 at that point. That was, like, whenever he was – I mean, don't get me wrong, he's huge now. But, like, dude was, pit, like, physical peak at that point yeah. as well. He was averaging 27, 8, and 7 in, two, in 2013, shooting 57% from the field, 41% from three. And he was second in defensive player of the year that year. So Robert. I don't know what <laughs> I don't I don't know. Like I know some people say 2018 Brian, and maybe one of you guys said that. But to me personally, it's always going to be 2013 Miami Heat LeBron. Uh Davis, who what is your bet as a big time LeBron fan, best version ever in your opinion of LeBron James? I mean, I got to agree. It is 2013, but I'll go something a little different. You know, 2018 was my favorite version to watch. Just seeing him carry that trash team all the way to the finals. And just it seemed like night in, night out. He was like – there was like a couple minutes fan where he was just making bucket after bucket, just willing them to wins. And especially in the playoffs, like, he didn't face the greatest teams, but his team was trash. And I mean, he had, like, multiple buzzer beaters and – it was just ridiculous. But, yeah, 2013 was definitely the best. 2018, probably my favorite to watch. Mm. Uh, I agree with Davis right there. 2013 was my pick. Coming off MVP season, got another one, got the finals MVP that year. But 2018, Brown was like, dang, good God. I feel like 2018, Brown is a lot smarter. Do you get what I'm saying about that? I think he was a lot smarter by then. But 2013 was like. Yeah, Lee. Probably best offensive and defensive player in the league. That's like something oh, yeah. now getting to, and it's just like it's crazy to watch. Yes. Yeah. So mine's a little bit different than all y'all's. Um, I'm a big moments guy, and it seems like the year before that, the 2011-2012 season, it's just LeBron was against the wall every single week. Uh, he dropped 45 in Game Six. Um, it was an elimination game. It was it was real big out of him. Dropped 45 to keep them in it in the series. They ultimately uh, ended up losing, but still, I mean, 
Golly, he didn't he didn't win a chip that year, but I think that was the most dominant version of LeBron, just because he was his back was against the wall, and the narrative was like the Jordan thing at the time, 2011, 2012. He was so good. Well, now that we've kind of discussed our best version of LeBron, you know, I think LeBron's had some great teammates through the years, and. You know, notably, I think everybody can think at the top of their head who their top three or four might be and, you know, who they think that best duo is. But I want to discuss now, uh, Tyron, we'll go to you first this time. Who do you think LeBron's best pairing has been with? So, like, the best duo, LeBron James and somebody else, who would you say? D-Wade. Is that what you mean by that? Like, who's his best teammate? Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, like, the best LeBron James duo. So, like, him and a teammate, who do you think those two together, the best pairing with LeBron? D-Wade, D-Wade easy. I don't – I mean, the only person that you can argue is Kyrie, but I, I got D-Wade, man, easy. Davis, who is yours? You know, I'm kind of with him. It, I think AD is the best, like, at, at the moment he was playing with someone, that was the best he'd, he'd played with. But just the, the injuries, like, I mean, we only really got one year LeBron and AD together. So, like, in terms of longevity, it's definitely Kyrie or, or, or D. Wade. But I think in terms of the two working off of each other, it was LeBron and AD. Those two just fit perfect together and them in the pick and roll and defensively. I would probably say AD, but he can't stay healthy, so. Okay, I like that we've got some diversity here. Tommy, who is your favorite pairing with LeBron James? There, there's really only one answer, honestly, for me. It's uh, D-Wade. So, as y'all know, before before Ice Trey got uh, drafted to the Hawks, LeBron was my favorite player. But I, there's a few duos I have ahead of LeBron and D-Wade. Like, few. Like, three. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go with them. Can I say real quick, statistically, the best duo is probably him with Caruso. They have, like, like one of the best plus minuses in the league. Um, (laughs) All right, I'm going to stop you right there, and I'm going to go ahead and get my duo. Um, I'm going with uh, LeBron and Kyrie just because – well, I mean, I'm kind of biased given Kyrie's my favorite player. But um, just the small sample size that we had of them, looking back at the 2016 finals, those two were basically unstoppable. Um, outside of those two, they weren't. There's no one scoring over 11 points uh, on the uh, Cavs. You had LeBron going for 29. You had Kyrie going for 27. They even combined for one game for 82 points. And you got to think about the timing here. Kyrie in the league, he hadn't been around as long as when the duo of LeBron and D Wade were. They were they were certified in the league. Kyrie has always been a great player but he never really got his flowers until LeBron got back there with him. And so having LeBron be paired up with him, that's just really a time that he was able to shine. LeBron, you know, he was averaging like 30, 11, and 9 in that finals. But Kyrie was right there with 27, 4, and 4. So, I mean, without LeBron, you know, they're not there. But without Kyrie, they don't win that finals. So that's that's why I think that that duet was just great. Yeah, so – I'm really glad that we had a lot of diversity here. Three different answers amongst four people. I'm just glad that all three of them were brought up. Me, ultimately, I have to agree with Blake. My favorite pairing that I think was best with LeBron James was Kyrie Irving. And, you know, I think him and D-Wade had some great years and real, really great years. I mean, not just great, 
And by ultimate, and I'll dive into that whenever we talk about best LeBron team here in a moment, but ultimately think that the depth of the heat and the, the having Chris Bosch there and for what fit them made them a lot better. Uh, the thing with Kyrie for me is 2015, that is probably an easy championship that was lost even without Kevin Love for the simple fact that Kyrie got hurt in the finals. Um, that was a Golden State team that was ridiculously good. And even with no Kevin Love, I mean, those two were putting on a clinic. And even when Kyrie went out late in game one, they still were able to go up 2-1 in the series, and it still went to six games. So that's one of those things that whenever you look back, I'm like, you know, the kind of injury sucks. There's so many hypothetical. But, like, it's hard to argue that they don't win that year if Kyrie doesn't get hurt. The next year, they – like Blake said, I mean, the two of them were dang near each averaging 30 in a series together in a final series against a team with the best record of all time. And then 2017, I feel like, kind of gets forgotten in the sense that that Cavs team is probably the best Cavs team that they had. But the problem was is that you had Kevin Durant on the Golden State Warriors. And even, even so, three or four of those final games of the five finals were close. It came down to, like, the last two or three minutes. And that was basically that pairing. I'm, no shade on Kevin Love, really good player. But he was not like Minnesota K-Love on this Cavs team. And the Warriors had basically, like, that big four. And, and LeBron and Kyrie were essentially going toe-to-toe with them in the finals. So they just couldn't close out the game, ultimately, because it was just too much of a punch from that Warriors team. But – that's why I'd say they're the best duo. I have no issue with anybody saying it is Wade, it is AD. Like, they've all been great, all pairings. They've all been great. They all won a championship. Like, you know, it's so subjective. But me personally, Kyrie Irving. So next, Don't forget to add that um, it was actually two finals in a row that they were both averaging close to 30 points a game because yeah. that 2017, that's when LeBron had like 34 or something. Yeah. Kyrie was like right there at 30, so – so now we're going to dive into the topic of what we think, branching off this, the best LeBron James team ever. To the best teams that we think LeBron's played on, I'm actually going to start this one out. Uh, probably was my favorite to watch, too, as a kid that was younger. And but my the best LeBron James team that I think there's ever been was the same year that I think the best version of himself played on and it's that 2012 2013 heat uh they just got done losing in the finals the year before uh they made some they made some big time changes they went out and got some guys the the roster ended up having lebron Dwayne wade chris bosh ray allen shane battier richard lewis mike miller people can say whatever they want about mario chalmers he was solid for that team norris cole wasn't the greatest player very energetic ended up being a good fit for them and, dude, I'm not, not saying Joel Anthony of some stud or anything, but just a, just a workhorse that fit the team well. And I just think they're really deep. It's when you think of LeBron, when you think of what does LeBron need around him, it's shooting. And why is that? I think this team was honestly what showed that. I think it showed how successful a team of LeBron, some star talent here, and just shooting around him. It's just that's how it just showed how good it was. And so for me, that's my personal best LeBron James team. Uh, we'll go to Tommy. 
Tommy, what do you think that the best team LeBron's been on is? So that was my number one, but I'm going to hop to my number two because I don't want to just repeat the same information. So I'm going to go with the 2015-2016 Cavs just because they were good, but Kyrie was hurt, right? So they could have been a lot better than they were, and they still won a chip. So, and to be the best, you got to beat the best, 73-9. and nine, uh, They beat that team. So uh, I'm going to go with the 2015-2016 Cavs. Okay. Uh, we'll jump to Tyron. Tyron, who is your – and if, My, we've, if we've already said your best and you agree and you have a favorite, just, you know, go ahead and say that, man. You're the LeBron fan here. Mine was the 2013 as well. But, yeah, Tommy was – Tommy, I'm with Tommy. I like watching that that uh, 2016 year. That was, like, crazy to me, watching them go at it in that finals. But I want to talk about Mario Chalmers. Okay. That was my guy. <laughs> you know, I don't know why people didn't. I love Mario Chalmers. There, so just first off, him and LeBron didn't have the greatest relationship between the two of them. They definitely butt heads. Okay. And so I think because of that, you had some spite between fans. And so I just think, I think he gets kind of a bad rap sometimes in terms of being a solid LeBron teammate because of that. But I mean, I think even LeBron would admit it. Dude, who cares? Oh, even even if they butted heads, like he yeah. wasn't good for like what they needed. Facts. So, Davis, yours. I mean, pretty much same y'all said. So, I mean, I guess I'll talk about the twenty twenty Lakers because they were one of my favorites. I just think their chemistry was off the charts. Like they didn't. I mean, and also it had my guy Markeith Morris. Hopefully he's back soon. But no, the chemistry on that team was great, and I just love like I always like watching defensive teams, and they were just. They were locked down defensively, and they rolled out, like, Danny Green, KCP, LeBron, AD, and, like, JaVale or Dwight. I mean, you just didn't really score on that team, especially in the paint. And, like, most of their games ended up being, like, I swear, like, 102 to 90. It was just, like, every game, it was just low scoring. and That, that, was, that was a fun team to watch. Number one defense by a decent margin, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they were – yeah, it was a ridiculous defensive team. And that's why they didn't need, like, a third star, because you just needed – LeBron and AD, the whole playoffs got you about 60 combined. You had like one, like Rondo or KCP kind of chip in every now and then. They won games. Yeah, that that year was the ultimate. uh, The ultimate. It it solidified the whole playoff Rondo saying. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, so many clutch shots. Yeah. Uh, Blake, you got anything different, Earl? Well, I mean, I was going to say 2012, 2013. Uh, heat, but you know, I can't say the 21 22 Lakers is my favorite team I've seen LeBron on. So, uh, always on, like seeing him struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, overall, there's going to be one, two, maybe three answers for this one. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to pick apart from a lot of those Heat teams ended up being the same besides the first year. And then, you know, the Cavs are pretty similar. So, it's basically just, do you think the Heat? I mean, it's just picking your poison, really. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're both you're, teams are great. Yeah. Was it the 2013 team that had the 20-whatever game win streak? Was that 20, that year? 28. I think it was that year. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. Jeez, that was ridiculous. They were close because people were talking about if they were going to snap the 33-game win streak that the Showtime Lakers had. Yeah, that was, a, that was a crazy run. I remember that vividly. It was uh, just like every day on TV. Do the Heat keep it up? Do the Heat keep it up? <laughs> and they did for, for a long time. Yeah, they did. 
But hey, we wouldn't even be talking about them right now if it weren't for Ray Allen's three. But we'll get that to another oh, day. Oh my god! Hey, can we talk about a year where the Clippers won a championship? <laughs> Moving <laughs> along. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. Last thing on LeBron James. <clears throat> Obviously, he's had such a long career, played in all kinds of important playoff games. We just wanted to touch on some of his best playoff games ever because with great players like this, sometimes I think people forget maybe there was one or two specific games where it was like, whoa. So I picked my three, and I just want – if you guys have anything different, I'll have you address it after, but I have a feeling that one or two of these will be on everybody's list. So starting at number three, I have the 2007 Eastern Conference Finals. Game five, the series is tied two to two. LeBron goes for 48, nine, and seven on 18 of 33 shooting, and he scores the Cavs' last 25 points. I was not old enough to watch that game. I, I mean, none of us really were. But that's just insane. And especially that was the year he made the finals on the Cavs. What a run, you know, as young as he was and that type of game in that run. I have to I have to imagine that if I was the age I am now, that would have been the game where I was like, yeah, he's one of those guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just for me personally, so I had to throw that in there. I'm just going to ask really quick, did you guys have that in yours? Yes. So, that was my number three as well. Oh, we lost Blake. Yeah, it, I'm sure. For those, if for those listening, you don't see we've lost Blake for a second, but I have a feeling he'll probably be back shortly. So we'll just keep going. Um, the number two for me, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals Game Six. Heat are down three to two. Game was in Boston. If I'm thinking, yeah. Right. yeah. Game was in Boston. And I say this with no exaggeration. LeBron James' legacy was on the line. He, he was known to be this player that couldn't <laughs> – he was known to be – for people that don't understand, me and Andrew follow this guy named Dr. Guru on Twitter. He's just a complete Twitter troll. Uh, he's hilarious. And he tweets about a lot of different players kind of as a joke. And he'll say, so-and-so's legacy is on the line tonight. Just for any kind of regular <laughs> – on the line tonight. Yeah, and it, uh, it kills me every time. But that was Davis's reference there. So I, I love it every time. I'll probably always retweet or like it if Guru's talking about somebody's legacy being on the line. But LeBron's legacy was literally on the line in this game. He had not won a championship. Uh, he had just joined a big three that people already weren't high on because they were like, oh, you're just joining this super team. And they had lost to the Mavericks in the championship the year before. So then they're playing this Celtics team. Celtics team was still really good, but a little post-prime, and everybody's sitting here 3-2 in Boston, and everybody's like a big crowd from what I have from what I remember is just sitting there saying, like, I don't think LeBron is up there whenever we're talking about top five. They're just, I don't think I think he's great. I don't think he can win you a championship. And there's been talks about every player like that at some point in their career until they finally do do it. But this was that point for LeBron. And he goes in there, 45 points. 15 rebounds, five assists, and he shoots 19 of 26 from the field. And I actually think, because me and Andrew were having a little chat the other day from what I saw because he sent it in. Andrew, if I'm, did he score 30 points in a row without missing a shot? Yeah, yeah, he missed, like, his first shot of the game and then 
had 30 straight points without missing in the first half. That, that I think, easily could have been argued as number one. But to me, there's just one that's above it. Did any of you guys have that at number one? That was number two. That was my favorite one. That was number one. Tommy Blake, was that on your list? That was number two on my list. Okay. I got the same order as you right now, Kyle. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that we probably have the same number one then as well. Probably. Uh, number one, LeBron's already carried quite the load. 2018 playoffs. Um, ridiculous load at this point. Went seven games with a Pacers team that was just solid. But he's, having, he's just having to do so much because the team just wasn't capable. So he's having to go seven games with a Pacers team that was just solid. He sweeps the Raptors because they just could not ever buy a game against LeBron James. Um, that series, he destroyed them. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think, if I remember correctly, when he hit that little one-handed floater off the glass on the baseline, you could just kind of see it in the Raptors like, we're never going to beat this guy. Like, so, yeah, you could just see it there. And then they played the Celtics. That series, that's one of my personal favorite series that I've ever watched. Uh, just crazy going back and forth. You could see the potential in Tatum and Brown. Uh, LeBron just – he just did his thing. He ended up closing out game seven. The stretch he had in game seven at the end, I don't remember it play for play, but I just remember him completely taking over. And it was like – Just talk real quick about that game seven. So I'm pretty sure he had like two straight back-to-back threes in Tatum's face. And no, I'm sorry, that was game six. But I remember the Celtics hadn't lost at home all playoffs. Uh-huh. And then he went in there game seven and beat them. Yeah. And that was that was wild. And and I was one of those people that actually when Tatum dunked on him, I was like, Boston is winning this game. Cause there was like a few minutes left, and that was like the garden was rocking after he did that. And, like, the Celtics have been making big plays, and he just he just took over in those last few minutes. But, anyway, after that type of run, game one, playing the Warriors as loaded as they've ever been, got that big four, KD on there. Um, obviously, had Steph, Clay, Draymond. Uh, game one, everybody's thinking Warriors sweep, Warriors blow out four games. First quarter, Cavs are in control. Halftime. Cavs are in control. It just doesn't even feel right. You just keep telling yourself, ah, you know, they'll come out at halftime. They'll do whatever. Third quarter. It's still, he is playing at his pace. The Warriors are forced to play at his pace. Anyway, they end up going to overtime, the bonehead JR, JR Smith thing. But he finished that game with the lack of help that he had and against one of those all-time great teams. In the NBA Finals on the road, he had 51 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists, and shot 19 of 32 from the floor. That is an all-time great game to me. I don't care if he lost. Top five, top ten games ever, I'm putting that one on there. Just because the circumstances around it, what he did, the way he controlled the game, the talent he was going up against, it was just remarkable. So, did anybody else have that at number one? I just had it as an honorable mention just because he lost. Okay. But, yeah, I think that is probably his best game. So – Also, George Hill could have just hit a free throw. Yes. did. Yeah. 
So did anybody – so, Dave, Andrew, what was your number one game since we had the same three and two? But... Just, just 2016 game seven. Just the, okay, the comeback yeah. and making probably the greatest defensive play of all time in that moment. I mean, I remember watching that. I was just like – I saw him on the fast break. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. And then just LeBron out of nowhere just flying. It's ridiculous. Yep. No, definitely an all-time game. I mean, there's definitely different routes you could take with this. And, like, it was, like, not even that great of a game. He still had 27, 11, and 11. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that was, like, not even that great. So, just randomly going off that, I don't – I didn't have ties to, obviously, either of those teams. But, I, you know, whenever the Warriors went up 3-1, I was like, whatever. So, I was kind of pulling for the Cavs to make a comeback, at least, so we could get a good series out of it. And I remember in that game seven, I was like, yeah, it doesn't get any better than this game seven of the finals. And it had been a good game the whole way. And, dude, I remember they went up, and I think it was Kyrie drove baseline after they'd been up. There was like 14, 15 seconds left. He dumps it off. And I thought LeBron was about to cap off this game and this performance with this monster dunk on Draymond to end it all. And he just barely, he just barely missed it. And I was like, that would have been one of those things that's like a play, like how the generation before us names that little names the pullback, the shot with MJ. That would have been the play for our generation. But it was this close. He just missed it. Tyron Blake or Tommy, did you guys have a game on there for your list that we didn't cover? Um, I did. I had game seven as well, but I can also do this one. Um, the 2012. No, the 2013 finals, game six. A lot of people, Blake said it earlier, oh, Ray Allen saved his career, but people forgot that LeBron scored 12 points in the, first, in the fourth quarter. And he had a 32-point triple-double that game. I think that um, what was on the line, the championship, and his performance was – I know he had some bad turnovers in the end, but that's one of my favorite ones. He definitely is the reason they were in that game. Facts. Tommy or Blake? Um, yeah. yeah, I had a game that you guys didn't have. At number three, I had 26. It was or 2016 uh, NBA Finals. It was game five against the Warriors. So their back was against the wall. They were down 3-1. He went crazy. He had 41 points, 16 rebounds, seven assists, three steals, and three blocks. And the Warriors had a party set up ready to celebrate a Finals win. So that was that was definitely on my list. I think, I think from that game, Kyrie also had 40, right? 41. And Steph threw the mouthpiece that game, didn't he? Yeah. LeBron. Yeah. But that was the game LeBron stuffed him, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Steph threw the mouthpiece that game. And that was whenever you kind of thought, okay, there's some life to this series. Like, we're going back to Cleveland. Maybe he might have thrown the mouthpiece in Cleveland. Oh, in yeah, he threw, it, he threw it in Cleveland. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember if I remembered that right or not. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, but just just wanted to go over that just because there's nothing wrong with ever going over an all-time great's best playoff performances. It's ridiculous. It was Whenever I was doing – I remembered all these games, like everyone we talked about. Hell, like, I mean, I'm thinking of stuff that I'm telling you guys, like from the games, and I'm – like, obviously, don't remember the 2007 one and didn't live through it. But, well, I mean, I did live through it, but I didn't watch it. But, like, I knew all these games. But I think it's just crazy sometimes when you just go back and look and you have to remind yourself, like, 
they actually did that. Like, it's not just like something that you just vaguely remember. Like, you have to go back and really just remind yourself what they actually did. And it's just crazy. But did y'all go to the uh, 2015 uh, game two by no. any chance? That's one. No. So, uh, game two um, is after Kyrie and Caleb were hurt and LeBron goes out 50 minutes and he puts the team on his back. And I believe it was just an overtime win. But he goes out, scores 39 points, 16 boards, and 11 assists. And that, and that game moved him into second all-time and most triple-doubles in finals history right behind Magic. So that game, to me, is a top game for him just because he lost his number two and number three option, and he was still able to take on the Warriors and actually get a dub in that game. So to me, that, that one's up there for his all-time games. Another game that probably would have been more well-remembered was uh, game five of the finals in the bubble. Against the Heat, he had like a 40-point triple-double, but, I mean, Danny Green missed the wide-open three. And so, it was kind of like whatever. I, deb- I debated putting that in my top three. That was probably fourth to me because I don't – just like the performance there was crazy. I still I, – I know it was – I still wish he just would have taken that shot. Up 3-1, up 3-1 in the series. like. It's not like it was like a super close series. Up 3-1, you just had the game you had. Nothing to lose, man. Like, that, like, and that's one of those games that I know I thought about it because I just remember how great it was watching it. I was like, oh, like, whoa. But, like, your average person probably will not remember that game. Yeah. Just because the, the clear narrative was, oh, he doesn't want to shoot it. You know, so, like, but, yeah, definitely an all-time great game. And so since we just talked about – since I'm glad that you got us going into the bubble with that game, now we're going to kind of jump – just short little segment here just talking about that 2020 season and the bubble run. Um, I really don't understand why they went away from the makeup of that team. That's like, where it went downhill. Like, I just remember – I remember vaguely thinking whenever they made some of those moves, like as much as people got on Danny Green, he like fit the team well. And like and like they got they got Schroeder through Danny Green, I believe. And then um they got Trez. And as as a Clipper fan, I know Blake can relate. Don't get me wrong, Montrez plays super hard. Not, I hope nothing but success for the guy. But we saw it firsthand what happens with that guy when it's the most important. Uh, he's just a defensive liability. And when you have a team that needs as much spacing as most teams do, he just can't give you that. And especially he's, he's good. He can switch a little bit with certain positions, but he can't guard guards and he can't guard true five men. And then he also – just offensively, like, when there's a real deal defensive center that can move at all, he just can't do anything. So it was like when he went there, I remember thinking – I remember talking to Blake about it, and I was like, that doesn't really do anything for them, like, especially the way they play. Like, because I just had it in my head. And, Tyron, I want you to speak up after this and just kind of just talk about that team a little bit. But I just had it in my head with the way they just won. I'm like – you know, maybe they go out and make some moves and improve, but I just didn't expect them to just completely go away from the way that team was. Like, just this defensive-minded team, 
that the guys could shoot. They were, it was literally like the duo in three and D's. Like, and they just kind of went away from it. So, Tyron, uh, you know, just any thoughts on that 2020 season or the bubble, the bubble runs, anything? Uh, I want to talk about what happened after the season when they made all those moves. I feel like people get in get in too deep of like, okay, we we won. Now we got to do this. Now we got to do that. Now we gotta do if it ain't broke, don't 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 fix it. It worked. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the 2020 season is kind of like everybody always argues about it. Mickey Mouse ring and all this that and the third. I have a question. If anybody but LeBron didn't win it that year. Will we call it a Mickey Mouse ring? And the fair answer is no. And and I can I'm I'm perfectly fine with saying this as a Clipper fan at this point. I think that the biggest shock, not just for Clipper fans, but for the NBA world for the most part, if you really go back and put yourself in that time period, I'd seriously say that over three fourths of the NBA world had picked the Clippers to win it all. And so I'm- so I think it was just kind of like a shock of like the Clippers didn't win. So Very the big scape, shock. So the scapegoat was like, oh, they're in a bubble. Like Let me. Non, non normal circumstance. Like Tom, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, a lot of people like to put asterisks on it, but I'm I'm not going to. Because you put an asterisk on that season, you got to put an asterisk on a whole lot more seasons. Like, are we asterisk in injuries? Because the Spurs was were going to win a championship and Kawhi went down. Are we asterisk in lockouts? 1999, the Spurs were not going to win if they didn't have a lockout. So, um, I think that team was good. I think they shouldn't have moved on from the pieces that they had. Uh, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, we need to get rid of Coos. We need to do this. We need to do that. They did not need to do any of that. So, that's where I'm going. Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing, regardless if you had no ties to either team, if you were a Laker fan, if you were a Clipper fan, the Battle of L.A. was hyped up all year, and we didn't get it. So, I mean, we went, we went from seeing the Clippers up 3-1 and seeing the Lakers, and I think they were, like, same situation. They were up 3-1, or they'd already closed out against Houston. And we were like, okay, it's finally happening. And – just a few games later, there we were. So let me just say real quick: the way that they guarded Russ in that series to then go and trade for the guy is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It definitely makes you scratch your head. As like, do they not remember what they just did to this dude in the playoffs two years they ago? No respect. And LeBron blocked his shots at least fifteen times in that series. <laughs> <laughs> like he legit stuffed Russ at least. Brilliant, bro. I remember, I remember putting stuff in our group. So, guys, we're all in this big basketball group chat. And I remember going and putting in the group chat, like, yo, this dude has something against Russell Westbrook. Like, he is going at him anytime he goes to the rim. Like, it was bad. Like, I like don't – he blocked shots pretty frequently in terms of, like, fast breaks and stuff and getting back and blocking them. But, like, no, dude, it was different if you watched that series, him going after Westbrook whenever he was going up. But uh, I, the only thing for me, and it's no knock with the hiatus, was, and I said this before the year, and I had to eat my words on it, was Anthony Davis is never known to be this Iron Man type player. And I think that the hiatus – 
benefited him more than any individual player in the NBA. Because as a dude that had never been some type of Ironman player that played a lot of games, he had played basically that whole year. And I'm not – I never wish an injury upon anybody. I'm not saying he would have gotten hurt. But, like, usually – the seasons in the past tell you that he was not going to keep that up. And so for him to get those months off and then to come back and play like he did in the bubble, I mean, he was awesome. It's like, I think he benefited more than any individual in that sense. And that's like, that has nothing to do with like on court play or schematics or anything, but I do think that they did benefit in that sense. Um, Trying to remember if there was any, is there a rotational? Who's, Rondo was obviously great in the bubble. That came out of nowhere. KCP was, like, the leader for, like, finals MVP for a couple of games. Yeah. He was falling out, too. I remember, I remember the first quarter of game one, it was, like, KCP, finals MVP. He had, like, three or four threes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think what was so underrated about him, too, and a lot of people realize it now, was KCP is such a good defender. Like, he gets in people's grill. Like, he's all in them the full floor, he'll be on him as soon as the ball thrown in. Like, and he's, he's still shooting the ball really well in Washington right now. Like, I don't know. I just, it's just another – going back off what we said earlier, man, it just – I don't know why they went away from that team. That team I think why they went away from that team was because of the bubble, if we're being honest here. Because, I mean, we had people in that bubble that were not playing outside the bubble like they were in the bubble. Like there were guys that were like who like TJ Warren, for example, was putting up me, monster me, numbers. I, I am not disagreeing with you, but just let me cut you off real quick in the sense that it's not like they were like the sixth seed and won the championship. This was I don't remember if it was best record in the league, but it was I think Milwaukee was best record in the league. But it was best record in the West, number one defense, top ten offense, both the duo was in the MVP conversation. And the role players are playing well. Like, it definitely wasn't – I know what you're getting at, and I completely agree in terms of there were players that played well in the bubble that did not play – but this team was showing you championship formula before the bubble. So, like, no, I agree. I agree. I agree that they, they were having – they have a great overall scheme, but at the same time, they were playing against the five-seed Miami Heat. And don't get me wrong. I had the Heat coming out even before the bubble even started. I was high on the heat that and entire year. To Blake's credit, he did, guys. Like we, I had, all, we all talk about this kind of stuff every year. And at the trade deadline is basically whenever we make our final decisions. Blake told us he had the heat coming out. So that's not a that's not Blake saying it right now. Blake Clark had the Miami Heat winning the East that year. I had them win the East and they did. I'm not discrediting them that, but I think the bubble helped them in that aspect. 100%. Because of the way well, hundred percent. The way that that team was playing, you had Tyler Hero coming out there playing like he was MJ. <laughs> Not discrediting the man. He's a great he's a great off the bench guy for the Heat. Yeah. But at the same time, there was just guys all over the league that were just going off. And there's even people in the league that were like they didn't want to have their name out there. They just said, There's guys that we have never seen play like this when we have a crowd around. Yeah. So at the same time, like I do get that the Lakers were just a great team outside of the bubble. But I think the bubble did have a little bit of a, a change of heart moving forward. And that's why they kind of jumped the gun on getting rid of some of those guys. Yeah, and, you know, like, ultimately, the bubble was this weird thing. You didn't get to see your family. You were in one location. There was no home or away games. Like, there was no fans. But, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody had to go through it. So, 
It's not like it was like something that one team had to go through and nobody else did. So I don't think it was the, I don't think it was necessarily the easiest championship. I don't think it was necessarily the hardest championship. I just think it was a tough road that everybody had to go on. So at the end of the day, championship, championship, no asterisks. I agree. I think we all agree for the most part. Okay. Uh, we're going to wrap up that. That's all we're going to say. And now we're going to – just last little segment. We're just going to go into the Lakers next year. What are the possibilities? What could they do? We're not going to go long here because they're not – it's not very flexible what their options are. But they have a few players on roster next year. Russell Westbrook has a player option that he will 100% accept because he is not turning down $47 million. LeBron James is on contract for $45 million. Anthony Davis is on contract for $38 million. That already puts them over the cap. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is on contract for $10 million. Kendrick Nunn has a player option that he will probably accept because he has not played this year. So I don't think anyone would give him $5 million again since he hasn't played. Uh, they have a team option for Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves on our, they had like a two-year deal undrafted rookie for 1.5. So they're very crippled, can't do anything. Malik Monk, probably one of their better players, is probably gone. Uh, they can't afford to keep him at all unless he uh, – just in the sense that a lot of teams could use a scoring or three or a shooting punch, and he can give some teams that. Uh, so – not a lot of roster flexibility. Um, it's kind of sad because it's like the Lakers aren't fun to watch. Like, it can be funny sometimes, but at the end of the day, like, it's not fun. Like, even as somebody who doesn't like them. Like, I don't – I was talking to Andrew about this, I think, like a month ago. Like, I don't even – half the time I don't even tune their games on. And I'm a guy that watches games every night. Like, I don't even put their games on because it's that bad. Like, so – just kind of going off that, I wanted to develop some mock trades for you guys, for our listeners, and for the guys with me on this pod, but I can't. Like, there's – I don't want to go into trading LeBron or AD because I don't think it's going to happen, so I'm not even going to bother entertaining that. I know that some some platforms are trying to toss that idea out there, but to me it's not going to happen, so why even entertain it? And then the only things that I can think of for Russell Westbrook, and I'm just going to ask all of you guys yes, no for these two trade options, if you could do them? Yes, for both. <laughs> so number, number one, number one is to go back to the John Wall thing. So they have another pick available this offseason. So I sort of understood why Rob didn't include the 2027 first-round pick this year because he may still lose LeBron in, like, another year and AD's injury concerns. So, like – He's just trying to keep whatever asset possible. But I'm just going to ask you yes, no, and we'll start with Tommy. Tommy, if that offer presents itself again of Russell Westbrook and a first-round pick of either 2027 or 2029 for John Wall, are you doing it? No, I'm not. Blake. Um, I'm not touching that, no. Tyron. Get him out of here. <laughs> Andrew. Without a doubt. So my quick thoughts. I think if you're LeBron or any player on that team, you're like, yes, do it. I think if you're the Lakers front office, you're like, it doesn't help. So I see both sides. Um, one more I'm going to throw at you guys. 
only because I think that this one is a real possibility for a few different things. You may have to attach both first-round picks, okay? You may even have to attach – I don't, I don't know. You'd have to attach whatever. You may even have to go trade like a CHT or a nine and just hope you get like a second or two out of it or whatever. But you'd have to attach probably both picks. The Thunder do have cap space. Maybe you can talk Russ and the Thunder into just – since that's his home, they love him, you know. Maybe you can talk them into – because they're still not as, – as, as promising as their core is, they're not contending anytime soon. So it's basically – I know that the answer is probably going to be yes, but would you trade Russell Westbrook, two first-round picks? You'd probably have to take at least one, like, decent contract back. So ultimately it's like, would you trade Russell, Russell Westbrook and two future firsts for a little bit of cap space? Davis. Yeah. Tommy. Uh, yeah, I would. Tyron. Yes. Blake. I'll go with yes on this one. So I agree. I think yes, if you're the players or if you're the front office. Um, there's definitely a lot more details to it. And if that, something like that did happen, it probably is a three-team deal. It's probably not just those two straight up. But I do think that that does somewhat need to be entertained because if there's any place that would take a contract for him specifically, it would be the team could just give him one little – they could just – he would be embraced there. He may not play a ton. He'll get his $47 and he'll be able to – I don't know. There's so much to it. But that's the only two stuff I could think of. And last but not least, real quick – Yes or no? Coaching change this offseason. Tyron? No. Davis? No. Blake? I mean, you could, but there's not really a point to do that, honestly. And Tommy? Depends on what the GM says. So, my thoughts, and I have a feeling that you guys probably agree. Uh, I don't think it's a must, but I, I also, like Blake said, I don't think it hurts you know I think as I, I don't blame it on Vogel this year but sometimes whether it's his fault or not a new voice can change all kinds of things for a locker room so I don't know so many things for the Lakers to discuss this offseason uh Andrew Tyron we really appreciate appreciate you guys coming on uh I think this was a fun one I think Tommy and Blake can agree uh, just being able to talk all things Lakers and LeBron with you guys, I really do appreciate it. I know you had to take some time out of your day for this. Andrew, especially, is a big-time Tennessee fan. He's been watching the game a little bit and talking with us while it's going on. But really do appreciate you guys. Yeah, I really do appreciate you guys. And with that being said, we'll, uh, we're going to be wrapping things up. This was Episode 2 of the Coast to Coast Podcast. If you listen to this whole thing, we really do appreciate you as well. And we'll be back next week for another one. See you guys.